What's up, brother? How you doing? How you feeling? Have you seen your mother? When you see her next time, tell her that I love her I was crashing in the living room like Donald Glover No heat, had to use the hoodie for my covers Contemplating life What's up, brother? It's your boy T. Brown What's up, brother? It's your boy Troy And welcome to the What's Up, Brother? Podcast. How you guys doing today? What's up, T? How you doing? How you doing? How you feeling? How you doing? How you feeling? How you doing? How you feeling? How you doing? How you feeling, T? How you feeling? I'm like a villain in the Himalaya with the Yeti, baby. Word, word. Same here, same here, same here. How you guys doing today, man? You already know, bro. We got to get to the thank you, man. We want to thank you guys over on YouTube. We got to thank you guys over there on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, any other platform that you are listening to us on. We want to thank you guys. We do appreciate it. If you do, if you guys do have any, you know, opinions on the things that we talk about. Legally streaming it. I'll be even happy about that. No, 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 I don't know about that. You know, the best music was coming through when you came through all of that bad boy online. I don't know what he's talking about. But we want to thank you guys. We want to thank you guys for watching, for listening. You know, do leave them comments, man. Let us know what you guys think about the episodes. Know if you have any opinions on the topics that we talk about. If you did miss the last episode, we did talk about a little bit of the David Chappelle uh, controversy that's going on. Uh, A little bit of the the Kyrie, a little bit of the Kyrie and the vaccination thing. And then we talked a little bit about John Gruden uh, for you football fans out there. We got another guest on today. She's a family member. She uh, worked her way through college. And she she's in a good place today, and I, I'm gonna let her her take it away when we get her in here. We go we gonna yeah. see you, we gonna see you guys then, all right? Uh, little milestones, I hear that. Hey, hey. how are you? Good. How are you, you guys? Going? Good. Can you hear us? Good. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, we can hear you good. We can okay. hear you good. So, guys, I told you we had a guest. The guest is here. And you, you know, we like to jump right into it. So uh, we like to start this show off with uh, you introducing yourself to the people. Oh, okay. Uh, my Who name is Lachanda Zabaleta, formerly Thomas. And uh, I am Justin's cousin. Can I say that? Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. Justin's cousin. Um, I am 35 years old, living in Jersey City, and I am a pediatric hey. occupational therapist. Your pediatric, say that one more time. A pediatric occupational therapist. Okay. So Tyrone, Latrinda, I don't know if you guys ever met Tyrone. Has been over your father. How's the thing going? I was going to say, it's been in passing. I'm in passing on South Street. Yeah, a couple functions. We saw each other. Okay, we're, we're, we're. So how you doing? How's everything going? Everything's good. You know, busy as always. Yeah, how's the little one? Little one ain't going to be little. No more. Mine's already ain't loose, so I'm, I'm right there with you. She already, right she already you. standing up to my hip, so she's probably gonna be as tall as me or taller. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a joy. It's a joy to have children, man. That's a. Uh, that's what we're about here. We're about the community. We're about trying to, um, you know, yeah. find a way to give these these youths other tools than the tools that they have now because. Right. You know, us growing up, we had we had a lot of tools that some of us utilized and some of us didn't. And now even those those tools, it wasn't a lot, but it was enough to get people past or to get people out this environment. I don't think it was enough. No, it wasn't enough. I, that's why I corrected myself. It wasn't enough. Today. Yeah. Today. today they have a lot more tools, but it's just like they're so it's so small of a percentage of people that's using those tools to exactly. get out. Especially in the area where we come from. So we like to focus on there where we are, where I am is a dominantly gang area 
where they recruit young black men and young black women now. Because back in the day, it wasn't that many black, like young black women in gangs. All right. There was some, but it wasn't in today's, their numbers are crazy how many black women that will actually shoot you out here. Like, really? Yeah, that will actually shoot you out here. Like it's like that now. And it's like times are changing. It's like me sitting here knowing like the little tools that we had back then that a lot of us took them. Like a lot of people that I had on the podcast before have been uh, friends of mine from high school that three went to the army. One's now about to become a gym teacher to give back to students. Another one is a police detective here in Jersey City back in his home, you know, his hometown. So, you know, there I'm trying to show people that there's good that people can do. So that was one of the reasons I wanted to invite you on because I know that you grew up in not the hood of Jersey City, but in the, in, in the, in, on the other side. And it'd be good to, for people to get that perspective too and what you've been through and how you got to where you are today. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely grew up in um, Hoboken mm-hmm. in the projects. Right. Yeah, that's a different thing too. Right. Different so that was definitely like my hood. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's Hoboken, but. No, Hoboken, Hoboken back in the 90s. Every hood is <laughs> Girls was following me home from school, okay? Trying mm-hmm. to like jump me. So, yeah. It was yeah, real. It was real back in that day. It was still, still kind of is. It still kind of is. But yeah. now it's like in both areas, it's like the younger kids have taken over. There's no, there's no guidance. Even in the gangs, there's no guidance. Um, so just speak on your childhood of growing up, like in uh, the heights of Jersey City and in Hoboken. Sorry, my dog is. It's fine. He's welcome. Um, <laughs> He's welcome. So you know, I guess I won't speak on my childhood too much, but I will speak on my high school experience and my college experience. Um, You know, I grew up in a household with both parents up until I was like in eighth grade and my parents got divorced. These things happen. They shape us. They make us into the people we are today. Mm -hmm. So I went to Hoboken Public Schools. Um, Then from there, um, I went to Stockton. University, which is now Stockton University of Stockton College back then in South Jersey. So it was an hour and a half away. Would come home every weekend. Mm-hmm, I remember that. That's dope. That's dope. That's yeah, dope. I mean, I had to keep on my brother and my sister. Um, my sister's three years younger. My brother's 10 years younger. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, and help out with things around the house and that kind of stuff while still trying to get my degree. Mm-hmm. I graduated in 2008 with a bachelor's in psychology. And I was like, yeah, I don't know that this is really what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think the issue with a lot of um, minorities is that we go into the social sciences and we don't make enough money um, mm. because we want to be social workers and we want to be psychologists and we want to work for DIFIS and we want to help people and we don't make enough money doing that. I hate to say yep. it. Like a lot of us yeah. don't think about being doctors. We don't think about being lawyers. We don't think about being uh, a, a, a scientist. You know, we're like, we're drawn to the mm-hmm. Yeah, see? So I will say that I wish I had went to a community college first. I will Ooh. 100%, 100%. What's the reason? The money. Right? the money definitely like I should have went to community college because I could have saved so much money going and then transferring, <laughs> right. and then transferring to a four-year college right. mm-hmm. That's what's up. 
I chose Stockton because it was far but not too close and it was the cheapest state school for college at the time. Mm-hmm. All right, my so I said, let me go there. So let me go there. Got my degree. Four and a half years I finished. I left Stockton and I was like, what am I going to do with this degree? Nobody will hire me. Crazy. Five years had passed and my friends that didn't go to college were settled in their blue collar jobs. Mm-hmm. And they were making more than I was making when I came out of college with a degree. And I was like, well, what am I doing with this psychology? This doesn't make sense to me. Like nobody would hire me. I couldn't find a job. Um, I decided it's funny because I was downtown Jersey City and I had walked past this place and it it was doing pediatric therapy, therapy. Mm-hmm. For children. And I said, oh, that sounds like something I would want to do. Let me walk in. Walked in. I met this woman named Sonia who's the owner of Sensory Kids in downtown Jersey City. Okay. And I met this woman named Julie and I asked them for a job. And they said, yeah, sure. You got a degree, come on in. I didn't realize that hey. I had to go back to school to get my master's to become an occupational therapist. That's mm-hmm. what it was. What? So then I said, okay, let me figure out how I'm gonna get this degree. I don't wanna go back to a state school. I wanna go to a small school. I wanna go to a big school. I wanna go, you know, to like a really, um, a really well-known school. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was the biggest mistake I could have made. I was just about to say that. You feel like it was a mistake. Cause a lot, of, a lot of young, young kids make that mistake when they're choosing colleges. They go to a far away college or a very expensive college with no plan on how to survive out there. I couldn't believe it. I decided to go. I applied to Seton Hall. Mm I applied to NYU. I I applied to Columbia University. I I got accepted to all the programs that I applied to, except Seton Hall waitlisted me. Mm -hmm. I said, all right, it's going to be Columbia or it's going to be NYU. Columbia's Ivy League. NYU is kind of up there prestigious as well. But NYU was closer to the heights. That's where I was living with my dad. I said, I'm going to go to NYU. I ain't mad at it. When I tell you the first day of class at NYU, I walked in all white. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 90% white. And they all had on skirts, white tops. And I was like... Oh, they was prepped up. No, so I was like, damn, there was a dress code. I don't read my emails. This is ridiculous. I'll never listen. How am I going to make it here? They were Orthodox Jewish women. Oh. Yes. Makes sense. This is NYU. So I said, all right, well. Makes sense. It does. When you come from from Hoboken High, it's all mixed. When you go Mm -hmm. to a state school. In South Jersey, it was very white, but I still ha- you still had your Latinos and you had your... your right, there's still some type of diversity. It's so close. Yeah, it's have a little bit. Too. When I got to NYU, I said, oh, oh, what did I sign up for? So I find this Black girl <clears throat> I said, let me go sit next to her. She's from Ghana. <laughs> she was so from, from Ghana. Ghana. She was from Ghana. Oh. I mean, she lives in a she lives in the Bronx, and we're we're close. We're really close now. But I was right. just thinking to myself, I was trying to find somebody. But she, but we totally vibed and we totally got along. But that was dope. 
it was really it was really weird I felt very out of place in the beginning and I struggled I struggled a lot I almost didn't graduate I was on probation I was struggling because the Jewish community is very tight knit we know because we're seeing it now mm-hmm. they are, them, they are taking over. 11 o'clock at night we see them like I ain't never seen I ain't never seen a race like their children. That's like four or five walk by themselves. Women yeah, alone on MLK and Bergen right. Avenue. And, and nobody bothers them. No. Nobody. So they're very tight knit. And mm-hmm. I wasn't, I didn't realize that like these are five, six generation occupational therapy students mm-hmm. their sisters graduated their cousins graduated somebody their neighbors graduated this program they had everything they needed and here i am right. coming to this program with nothing they right. had old exams old study guides old whatever right. they needed. they had their own study groups they had all the foundations and all the support they needed to succeed right. for real and they pushed and I, them to show shit. They cousin could have gave them the answers practically. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, I'm sitting in the guidance counselor office on probation. I'm thinking to myself, who told me, some black Puerto Rican girl from the projects that I deserve to be here? Mm-hmm. I was mad at myself. I'm like, I set myself up for failure. What was I thinking? For so, I struggled so long in that program. Yeah. But I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna make it. I gotta make right. it. Like everybody's dependent on me. I gotta get out of this program. I, I gotta graduate. I gotta do this. Like, there's one other person on my mom's side that has their masters, mm-hmm. and nobody else on our side had right, it. Yeah. Right. So I was like, I gotta do this. I gotta, I gotta get out of here. I gotta. I graduated, and I mean, hey. let me tell you, it was a struggle. But I, I'm not going back to school. You can't pay me to go back to school. Let me go down my questions and mark that question off. <laughs> Are you going back to school? <laughs> no, no, the it question does was, not oh, mean no. more pay for me. I'm not going because I'm gonna be. Re- I'm gonna be super transparent with you guys. A hundred and ninety thousand dollars in student. Yeah, I remember me, me and you yeah. having a conversation a little bit after you graduated, and you told me. And, it, and I remember I was like, you was like, oh, a lot of money. I was like, how much? And you was just like, enough to buy a house. And I was like, That's how much? Yeah. For yeah. real, you ain't lying though. Hundred ninety thousand dollars. That's a smooth five bedroom, three bath type. And, a, and a lot of young people are, are going through oh, it. Oh God. It's highway robbery. It is sickening. It is like, I've been Ooh, a therapist you know. 10 years. I've been out of school 10 years. And there's no way I could hold a, hold down a mortgage because I own my home mm-hmm. and pay my student loans. It was one or the other. And I was tired right. of sleeping on a twin bed at dad's house. I am mad at you. Yeah, it's time. It be yo. Sometimes when we grow up and we come to that, that realization, like, yo, I gotta, yo. I gotta do it. It does though. That bed size, that bed size, really it do. Does. People know that. that twin bed flipping you like yo. Shit. <laughs> you better than this small <laughs> ass. I can at least get a full tomorrow. Facts for real. Listen, my room at my dad's house was I couldn't fit a full in there. No, I know. I remember your room. You remember my room? I remember. Right? I remember your brother's room. Your, your brother room could barely, barely fit his, his twin size bed in it. So, Listen. but I mean, that's the that's the that's the environment that you know 
you know, not that we grew up in, but it was for our parents to just try to give us something to just help us keep a reef over our head, a safe place, especially your dad. It was like, it didn't matter to y'all that your rooms were small. Shit, me, I no, didn't have I a room. room. Right, for me, I didn't have a room. I, I slept in the living door. room. I slept in the living room with my, with my dad, my twin brothers, and my sister, so. I remember your house on Monticello, yeah. Yeah, crazy. Like, I still That's think back, like, how? Like, oh, yeah. how? But it was like, Maybe now that I'm grown, real. I can see, like, it was just grandma and my dad and, you know, Kiwana just trying to keep a roof over our head. And then, and that's the most important thing. It was just dumb keeping a roof over our head so we didn't have to be in the streets. We didn't have to go through other things that other people around us was going through. I had homeless friends. I'm pretty sure you knew homeless people or people that struggled worse than you growing up. So we all had that mm -hmm. that stigma around us that our parents was trying to keep us away from. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. Could be worse. I thought everybody saw it. Could be worse. All right, so what what is uh one thing you feel you wouldn't have learned without college hmm i got a couple of things bring it public speaking mm. i had to practice that a lot and i'm a very nervous person and it really really helped me a lot with that because i became president of an organization and you know, mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I had to speak in front of people. It like really made me come out of my shell. Um, networking. Networking is not something I would have done outside of college. Mm -hmm. That's um, a good one. Networking, yeah. Mm -hmm. It That's teaches you how to be unafraid and how to be mm -hmm. confident in yourself. Mm -hmm. And know that like, look, we're all in the same boat. Same boat. Mm -hmm. each other mm -hmm. out. Legit, legit. Literally just love, trying to level with somebody on that one. Literally just trying to bring, uh, and then in a way, sell yourself too at the same time. That's mm -hmm. that and and like with. show people what you have to offer. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely been in your shoes on that one. When, when I would be going to like certain events when I was modeling, I definitely understand where you're coming from because like you got other people there that could basically like, you can get a couple of gigs here. So don't sit here and just take advantage of the free open bar. Like actually like get, like, get out talk of to network, some people, yeah. you know? Legit, yeah, like, you need you know, confidence I'm, for that. You need confidence. You need the forum and the foundation, the platform, mm -hmm. types of events, and they have them at college. So yeah, see, for yeah. me, it was easy for me to 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 kind that's of the personality, though. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. I, I'm a You're jokester, a so for me, it's, it's like I can fit You're in anywhere, like literally yeah, anywhere. Like, I remember. I'll tell you. I'll tell you guys a funny story. When when I was in college, right, I met this girl named Gabby, and it was the first day meeting her. And we all sat at the table, and uh, Tyrone, you was there, uh, and we was all like, "Yo, we gotta, we gotta hang out from now on." It's the first day of this big group of us meeting each other, and we hung out from the from day forward. But the first day I met her, we was about to head over to the chicken place, and she was like, she was Spanish. And she had this deep ass accent. So she uh, was like, right, so she, was like so, she, she was like, let's go get some chicken. I was like, let's go get some what? Some chicken. I said, oh, okay. I don't know what that is, but I'm going with you. And then somebody else was like, chicken. So I was like, all right, let's go. But it, to, to tell you how like I can easily get myself out of something, as we were all packing up, I put my book back on my shoulder and swung around, smacked her in the face with my book back. And she didn't even get mad at me. And it was because I made her laugh the whole time she met me. So that just showed you your personality can take you your, your personality can take yeah, you a lot of places. Long way. If you don't you have that, her yeah, you can struggle with it. No, I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to slide that in there. I know you didn't mean to. I'm just saying. Yeah, I didn't mean to. Nah, I wasn't shit. <laughs> that wasn't shit. <laughs> 
But go ahead. What were you saying? No, no, no. I just, I was just saying, if, if that's not part of your personality innately, it's hard. It's a hard skill to yeah. acquire. Mm-hmm. I can agree because I met some some yeah. some awkwardly like social people that now yeah. I like in high school and now you look at them and they can't just stop. They can't stop talking. Like, yeah. oh, they can't. They they love meeting new people or being in, in in settings where they get to know new people. And that was me. Yeah. And like you said, it was because of my personality. But a lot of people we did grow up with didn't have that outspokenness to go and introduce themselves or get into a conversation with people and um yeah you're totally right about that college is a great place for communication skills communication yeah. skills is something i learned in college too and like you and said, they make you they make you. yeah I, my first true, speech class true. My, my first semester true. I'm about to, I, I took speech too and that's my, my speech class and, my, and i tried my i tried my hardest to get out of our first project was to make a little presentation and present it in front of class. Now I was good at presentations, but I hated presenting stuff in front of people. And I was a poet. So for me at that time, I needed to gain the confidence, like you were saying, to, to speak my poems out loud because I couldn't. So what I used to do in my college classes is I used to always at the end of semester tell my teacher I wrote poems so she'll make me read one. And that would help me build my confidence. And let me tell you, I've used those skills so many times mm -hmm. at work. Right. Mm -hmm. I've, had to, I've had to present case studies on patients mm -hmm. to a group of 25 other therapists who have been therapists longer than me. Mm -hmm. And I've had to learn how to keep my nerves at bay, present the information, not stutter, not say, um, not to not sweat, not like get all nervous, well, not be shaky. Help but the sweat, but. The sweat. <laughs> Yeah, when you, especially when you're in a room with important people, I could just uh, I could just imagine the pressure you have on you to make sure yeah, like, you're 100% on that line. Like, I can't mess up here. Yeah, stressful. But yeah. Like, college prepared me for that. Do you feel like you got everything you, uh, you could out of college? No. What do you feel like you missed or you could have taken from it? I should have taken advantage of the resources that were there, the library, the career center, um, my my the older people, the more senior college students. When I came in as a freshman, I should have experienced more with them. I should have, you know, done more workshops or whatever. Like I just, there's just so much going on. Well. No way for you to take advantage of all of it. Yeah. Um, and for the amount of money I paid, paid. <laughs> do you feel like there were outlets for you to even like try in order to like get out to that? So like, to yeah, definitely. Yeah, there I'll were. It's just like I just always felt like I could have done more. You just mm -hmm. always feel like that sometimes. I feel you. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. Boo boo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One one good thing, one bad thing about college. Lifelong friends is the good thing. Lifelong right. friends. Lifelong friends. Like if, if you meet them, because I met some some people in college, and and the second the second the class ended, nobody talked again. Nobody. The groups. Nobody. It depends, it depends so, if you're living, but when you're living on campus with people and you're yeah, that's true. Like I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to experience that. Let me tell you, my best friend to this day, I met at Stockton in South Jersey. She went to Snyder High School. She's from Jersey City. Yes. She's my best, best friend. She's my sister. Like, yeah, it's okay. me to go to South Jersey to meet now her. Now that you said that, I have one person. One person. And, and from, 
I think the first week of class, she started calling me her baby brother because she saw how, mm. I'll be honest with you, she saw how broken I was as a man. Like, and she was a 30-year-old woman. She saw how broken I was as a man and the things I was looking for in life. So she took me under her wing and she called me her baby brother to that standard. I was a baby brother and I call her to this day, my big sis. And we don't talk all the time, but we we always and make how sure. how long was that? How many years ago was that? That I graduated, I think, in what? About to say like a smooth eight years. Yeah, so oh. like we just make sure to check on. Yeah, we make sure to just check on each other. So she's the only one person. Anybody else? I'll try to hit up. Nobody answer. Nobody. I'm like, yo, I get it. Like, life happens, but it's like, yo, we built a bond there, and it's like you should continue those bonds because at some point in life, you're gonna need somebody with that type of bond. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, like me and Tyrone. Me and Tyrone have been friends since T was like what 10, 11, 12? I'm about to say yeah, 10, 11 years old. Cause that's when I moved on Monticello, and I was like what. 20, like 15. You, I, I about to say, yeah, you was like 15 at the time, probably. Yeah, there you go. 14, 15. I mean, and I'm 30 now. What, you 26, right? So, yeah. I get what you mean. Those connections are very vital because me and Tyrone, we, we grew up in similar situations in the household and it was like, we helped each other yeah. do that shit just sitting on yeah. the porch listening to music. Music, bro. Right. I had that stereo. I mean, you guys yeah, both have kids, right? Tyrone, you yeah. have too, right? Yeah. yeah. Y'all go through fatherhood. We both doubled up. Mm-hmm. Yep. For yeah. real. That was, that's what I found. That was, that was ironic, too, when I, within our friendship, too. It was yeah. like weeks apart from each other. We were telling each other, yeah, like, yeah we're going to be fathers. It was four of us, though. <laughs> it, was, it was me, Naela, Michael, and then Tyrone. Yeah, true. Y'all, man, all the, all y'all are traveling the, the same, same time. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think I had, I think Aurora came... Then uh, Janaya, and then it was either you, Tyrone, then Michael, my little brother, or Michael, then uh, you, then Michael, then you. It was one of those two. But we had to, we had to, we had to see the birthday. All four of us had our had our kids a couple of weeks apart. Yeah, which was pretty cool. Yep, mm-hmm. I see. Yeah, I mean, that's mm-hmm. I made some really lifelong friends. That's not just one. I made a couple of good, yeah. really good, solid ones. Like I would say, that is a good quality about college. You can meet yeah. if, you, if you're in this in the right, uh, you know, situation like you being on campus and you know having to go through that experience True. of living on campus because it's not an easy thing living on campus, and a lot of people don't realize that. They, they 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 think like, yo, I could just go stay on campus and I'll be good. But I know a lot of people that struggled. And when they say ramen noodles as a lunch menu, like they're not playing ramen noodles as a lunch menu. So you looking at one of them. Yeah. You looking at one of them. I ate the cup of noodles and them them chef wardy ravioli things. I ate those too. You got to do what you got to do in college. And a lot of people ain't built for it going away. So that's why I stayed. And that was the thing. And that was the thing, right? Like when I got to Stockton, I was like, I couldn't believe how many parents showed up. Mm-hmm. To help them move in. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe how many parents were coming on the weekends to do grocery shopping and wash their laundry. And I didn't have that. Nope. My dad did what he could. My mom yeah. did what she could. Right. We didn't have that. I didn't. Have that. <laughs> Your father was not driving. I'm gonna go to grocery shopping with you. I couldn't believe what yeah. I was seeing. I'm like, bro, when you go away to college, that means you're done. You're grown up. Like, it's time to grow up now. Oh, like, what God. is this? God. No, but when you see in movies, or like, like. It's not a race thing, but when you see white parents in movies and not let go of their kids, that's a real depiction. Listen, uh, listen, let me tell you. I'm going to be at my son's college every week. Me too. I'm going. Me too. I'll oh, be there because I'm going to be seeing where the teacher's oh, at. I'm going. I'm going to be seeing where the professor's at. I'm going to be all up in Landon College. 
And I don't, I don't blame you. But as a mother, you know, I can I'm understand that because you're nurturing. You want to make sure he's good and stuff like that. Yeah. For us fathers, we just going to call you once a week when you're good. Nah. <laughs> I got my mom right. in me. I'm going to still be trying to come through and check up on you. I don't going to be there what? Yeah, yo, because that's what come I'm on. We know, we know, we know, we got to pop up at least like three times through. on them. Make sure they doing. That's right. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm gonna slide up on you. You ain't gonna know when I'm gonna pull up. But nah, I'm gonna pull I up. definitely went. To <laughs> I spent four and a half years. That's my dad came. Told you that's men. That's men. My mom, my mom, yeah, my mom too. 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 Baby graduation. He was like, "You're looking." <laughs> Your mother was like, "Look, I, I ain't traveling over there. I don't know. It's like prison." It's like Dude, prison, mom, bro. It's like I the concept of prison. You go away and your parents, they only vision you once in the blue room. So, but my dad was stacking my car up with food before I left. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. but yeah, your, your father was a, a chef all his life, right? Yeah. Yeah. A couple yeah. dollars for some gas and yeah. there, you go. there you go. There you go. So if you could share uh, one thing with the youth about co- the college experience, uh, the college experience, what would it be? It gives you the opportunity to find yourself, express yourself without you. judgment of your community and what you're used to. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It gives you the opportunity to be whoever you want to be. And you'll never have that chance again. That's really. That's true. Once you come back home, unless you move to another, you know, you move to another state or town or whatever, but college. Uh, the the you can be whoever you want to be. Want to be? Yep. Simple. And nobody because nobody knew you before that. Right. Right. That's one hundred percent true. You get, you can go back to your regular life. So I totally agree with well, you. My name Gretchen out here. College does have know it. You could develop a nickname, an alter ego, a different personality. Oh, Don't, tell people that. Don't tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell people that. You're gonna go to school doing crazy shit. Nah, that's not really what I'm me. Saying, yo, that wasn't me. Yeah. That wasn't me in the video, Gretchen. officer. That wasn't Gretchen. me. That was Gretchen in the video. That wasn't me, officer. Officer, that was not me. That was the other side of me. You gotta get him when he come out. You gotta get him when he come out. He's not out right now. You gotta get Gretchen when you can. So at what at what point? Yeah, I think you touched on it a little bit um, when you said when you came out of school with your degree and before you got your master's, you really didn't know what you wanted to do. So how did you how did you uh, know what you wanted to do like career wise? Like how did you figure it out? When I was at Stockton, my roommate who was from Hoboken, we went to high school together. We played soccer together. She was taking um, she was studying to be a speech pathologist, a speech therapist, mm-hmm. and she That's looked dope. at me and she said you know what? I think you'd really be good at occupational therapy. And I was like, what is that? She kind of told me about it. So before I left Stockton, I kind of knew either I was going to go into that or go for a master's in psychology. Mm-hmm. Then when I, then when I walked up to that place, it was on Monmouth street, downtown sensory kids. And then from that moment, that, that woman, Sonia, she took me under her wing and I just knew, I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to work with kids. I want to work with babies. I want to help them be, I want to help them. I want to, I want them to be better. I want them to get better. And it was mostly a lot of autistic children. Um, mm-hmm. But I really developed a passion for like 
physical disabilities, children, cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, like those are my babies. I love those. They touch, they, they, got, they all have a special way of touching you. Those, the physical disabilities ones, like the, 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 one, the, the ones with seizure disorders and all these types of genetic disorders, like those are my kids, love those. Down syndrome, Down syndrome people are my favorite human beings on earth. So I I knew I knew then and and then and then I I, as I got into my field I kind of realized like whoa when you're an occupational therapist you can work in a lot of places a a hospital a nursing home a pediatric outpatient clinic uh, a school you can work a little bit everywhere and I realized that there was a difference in pay depending on where you want to work Uh, nursing nursing homes was paying the most so that's where I went. Even though I wanted to work with babies, I was like, I got to pay Yeah, bill, bills are due. I'm not I feel okay. you when the bills are due, you got to take what's yeah. due. Yeah. So I worked with bills. the I worked with the geriatric population for eight years, nine years, and I did pediatrics on the side. So how did you manage that? I worked at the nursing home during the day, did saw a couple of kids at night afterwards or on the weekends. And right. when COVID hit the nursing homes, that's when I left completely 100%. I was out. I'm not mad at you. I mean, I, 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 had, I had to leave. There yeah, weren't yeah. enough patients that survived COVID for me to rehab. Yeah. So I had to leave. So I had to go, you know, full force. Uh, yeah, with the children. I was just going to say, what was the light working with the geriatric community? I loved it for a long time. I loved it for a long time. And then I started to get burned out. I started to feel like, all right, where, where am I going with this? Where am I going with this? Um, it was hard to see people die. It really was. And then you had, right. you had your regular orthopedic patients that broke a hip need a knee replacement, shoulder replacement, that type of stuff. And you really develop, you know, we have frequent flyers, you develop relationships with them. They they break something, come back, break something again, come yeah. back. Crazy. But I, I liked, and you know what I loved about the geriatric population was like, there was so much wisdom and knowledge in oh, the yeah. older women. I could see that. Oh, yeah. That's why so all my childhood, all I did was talk to older people because I just wanted to see what life was. I had patients that saw me as a new student, pregnant with my son, my ma- get married, buy a house. I had patients that watched me transcend through all four stages of my life. That's amazing. That's yeah. I have patients that made landing blankets and crazy stuff. Like no, I'd be calling them grandma. Oh God. <laughs> and you know what they would tell me like they would ask me for pictures of him i i still write right. to some of my patients and send them pictures in the mail old fashioned that's that's what do. see that's, I mean, that's something i would want to get into that was something because like, i feel like writing a letter is cool but that'd be dope you're gonna become a uh, pen pal for prison 
you never know. You never know. Some of them need that. Tell, she's an old person on life. It brings them so much joy. It does though. I watch I watch all the prison, all the prison shows on Netflix, bro. When they get letters, bro, it just makes them it makes them feel like they're still human, bro. For real. Like, it just makes them feel like somebody can actually love them still. So I can imagine like you sending letters to older to old people that might be stuck in a situation where I know wow. a lot of people in those situations don't go visit their, their elderly, you know, family. This woman, I, she she would I would send her pictures of Landon when he was a baby. And mm-hmm. you know what she would send me back? Pictures of her baby when she was a baby. Oh her daughter is in her 60s. She was sending me her baby pictures. And I was, yes. I would call her daughter and be like, you know, I got your baby pictures. I'm send them back. <laughs> but like that's how connected she was to me. She was you know? sending you the actual that's pictures. Dope, the actual pictures. Oh man. That's crazy. She said, she said if I'm gonna trust anybody with these original copies, it's gonna it's gonna she be wanted, she wanted me, to, she wanted me to share. Yeah, she wanted to share her joy and her love with me and say, look, we're both mothers. Like right. I'm 85, real. but I'm still in my I still feel you. Yeah, yeah, for real. She leveling with you. She's like, we here, son. We here. Yep. But no, Level just having those connections with all the people are touching, bro. Because you definitely right. I, I think we all need, I think we all need guidance and uh, you know, knowledge and mm-hmm. in, in the way life is because sometimes, especially growing up in a predicament like me, I was surrounded by gang violence. I was surrounded by gang violence, I was surrounded by gangs. Uh, my brothers got dragged into it. I later on in my teens wound up getting dragged into it. And for me, having those older people to talk to just made me stay on that road of I want to get out of here. I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want to be called, come victim to the streets. And I stayed far, far enough away from the streets that I didn't become a victim of it. Yeah, I mean, listen, I ain't going to lie. I remember going to your house when we were kids and mm. being it looked like, you know what it felt like on Monticello? It felt like Crooklyn, the movie. Yo, low key though. It felt like that. I was like, it felt like Crooklyn over there, like the brownstones uh-huh. and the stoops and all of that. Brooklyn. And I used to be like, wow, this looks so cool. But then, you know, uh-huh. it's got a I lot still of at the same time was like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It might not, it might not yeah. work out over here for me. I, I live deadly in the middle of every gang there was a gang here and there's a gang here and there's a gang here and there's a gang here like and then around there there were other gangs too so it was like yo anytime a gang fight happened bro they literally had to walk through my block yeah so i mean i was we were much involved in it as we could you know i I would give my father credit there that he, he did enough to keep us out of the gang life we uh we all walked away at a at a good age to you know be able to not have any beef for nobody to come back and want to kill us. So, right. you know, because that that started to be a thing. I dropped my pen, sir. That started to be a thing, uh, <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago where people would just kill the people they had beef with when they was kids. So I'm just lucky to to understand, like, having those with that, the the older, wise people to just yeah, yeah, give they, me that knowledge of, like, yeah. what life was. Because as kids, we don't know what life is. Like, we just think it's all, like, my daughter, she she falls, cracks her head, and she just she cries, and then she he, he hides, and then now it's all funny, and it's just like yo, you're not yeah. invincible. I told her today, you're not invincible, bro. And you I know, thought I was invincible. I'm not. You would be surprised that like there, there, there I met I've met thousands of people working at the nursing home over the years, right? And it really gives you the sense of like nobody is perfect. It don't mm-hmm. matter how much you have, disease does not care. Pain does not care. 
we I met women who who were 70 and gay and never came out to their families, divorced, um, HIV AIDS, cancer, um, uh, adopted children, couldn't have fertility, fertility issues, couldn't have children. Like mm-hmm. I've met a little bit of everybody and anybody estranged from yeah. their husband, estranged yeah. from their children, estranged, like you just meet all different types of people. And it has, and like really, and really, like I know there's a disparity sometimes with whites and blacks and Latinos, but really in the nursing home. Nah. It's only, it's, there's only a few places. There's only a few places where race race literally does not matter in a nursing home. Uh, nursing home is one. They don't care because they all right. they all in the same they all in the same predicament. There they all. It's either we sit here and we fight each other or we fucking have peace in our last. I got a silly here. question. I got a silly question. Did you ever see any of them getting the fights over their snacks? <laughs> <laughs> They do. I mean, listen, they're people. They got now, personalities. Bob, Bob, I told you. I told you that granola bar was mine, Bob. I told you. Give me that tapioca. Oh, that Bob. tapioca. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? And, and remember, like, so these are 70 and 80-year-olds. There, there, are, there were some people who would call me the color girl. Um, yeah, because they're old school. Old school. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the time they come from. And I think we get away from that today with older people. We're trying to subject older people, not just older people, young people, but just still older. We try to subject older people to changing their minds about the way they their opinion mm-hmm. is on certain things. And it's just like, bro, right. they lived here way longer than us. Way longer than they done seen so a much lot, more. A lot. So much more Depending than us. And no matter what own, side though. they're on, no matter what side they're on. And 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 that's it. That's what Tyrone's saying is true. It depends on their tone and how mm-hmm. they you can, you can laugh at it for yeah. real. Because if they just using it as a plain identifier, then it's just like, hee hee, okay, you don't know me. Like, I only been here for like five or seconds. Like, like, or they're going to say something like, you know, the color girl with the curly hair, she's so sweet. Right. For real. Yeah, because and that's they all they got. They don't know and that's no all they way. know. For real. That's, and that's why I tell people we need to get to a time where words aren't offensive. Oh my gosh, yeah. we're hypersensitive. Today, yeah. coach. We are hypersensitive. See, today, yeah. I'll tell you this. When I was in college, I was in. What criminal justice class was it? I'm a criminal justice major. Um, damn, I forget the class, but I had a a, a black um, attorney as my as my professor, and we w- we were talking about the the N word, um, and it was this other this older lady in the corner of the classroom, and as she was talking, I was like, yo, and I'm young, I'm tw- 20, 20 years old, and I'm like, she's talking, I'm like, yo, that's so ignorant what she's saying because what she's saying is. I don't care in what form, context, or what you say. You call me the N-word, I'm punching you in your face. So when the teacher looks hey. at me, he see I'm thinking about what she's saying, and I'm like, it don't sit right. He calls on me because he knows I'm the best debater he has in the class because I love the debate. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't agree with her, and this is why I don't agree with her. I don't agree with her because it's a word. The more we allow that word to affect us as Black people, we give still them give them power. power over us. And I'm like, and she's in a corner like, no, I don't care. And I'm like, yo, you have to understand at some moment, at some point in time, we have to just let it go. We have to uh, just let it go. And I'm not talking about forget what was done to our race because it wasn't done to us. It was done to our race. I'm not saying forget that. Uh, we have to move forward in a way that, that those things don't hinder us to get to places like where the Jews I, got. They, the Jews had the Holocaust and now look how vital they are in America. Uh, Look how vital oh, the Jews are in America. Everywhere you go, there's a monastery. Everywhere you go, they have oh, a school. God. I have one that literally right next to my house. 
Like, I mean, like I I, I agree with yeah, it affect you for sure because it really can piss you off. Mm-hmm. It, it can really bring mm-hmm. you out of your your mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And, and, and and people know they can get to you by saying it. It's like I had a I had a, a straight hillbilly call me an N-word at my job and I laughed at him. And I'm like, it's not with the ER on the end of it. I'm like, and my boss is just looking yeah. at me like my uh, boss is just, I, I had a girl in Bayonne High School call me one playing from Bayonne. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. We played them. I was in Hoboken High, I was a senior. We played Bayonne. She said, keep, cause she, cause I was guarding. I was a right fullback. I was on defense. I was the fastest girl on the team. Right. And she was getting pissed. She couldn't score. She was getting pissed. She's like, call me the N word. And she made the mistake and called a, 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 a black girl on my team, the N word. The black girl on, that, on my team went to the sideline, called her mom. She said, ma, this girl, blah, 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 blah. Before you knew it, it was 15, 20 people from, the projects walked up to the field and we had a whole brawl. It was a mess. It was a crazy. mess. It was the a effects mess. that one word can crazy. have. You see, like this crazy. is my problem with society is like, yo, you guys crazy. say, cause now all of a sudden, and this is kind of off topic, which I love. You guys know I love going off topic. Yes. <laughs> you know, cause I just want general conversation. Like now the conversation today is <laughs> so with, the, like with, the whole, with the whole yeah. Dave Chappelle thing is, is oh. now speech is violence. And it's like, yo, speech isn't violence. Speech is only violence when you allow it to affect you. When you want to be violent at what somebody says. It's not the person that's saying the speech is the violent one. It's how you interpret it and what your actions do. Like Little Wayne said, uh, Eminem, Eminem said in one of his songs, um, uh, um, what is the name? What if I, or something like that. But he said, yeah, I'm writing all this. I'm paraphrasing, but he said, yeah, I'm writing this stuff, but I'm not telling them to go do it. Like, right. if I say, if I say F the police, that don't mean go grab a gun and shoot them. Like, I'm going to say, then he's like, I'm going to say all this fucked up shit. Now let's go see who's going to grab a gun and shoot him. Because it's like, yo, just because somebody is a role model, just because somebody says something doesn't mean you have to react to it. You have to let that thing affect you. And it's like, for me, I see it so much in, in young Black men and women where we're not raising them to be like, yo, somebody call you a nigga, I get it. Yo, it's it's it's, it's fucked up. They shouldn't be calling you that. But at the same time, it's a word. My, my two rules with my kids growing up, my two rules with my kids growing up, same, not, I didn't have these rules growing up, but you don't touch nobody unless they touch you. And when somebody say something, say something back. That's it. Like if, if I told my, my 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 stepson, bro, somebody cracking on you, crack on them back. As long as they don't touch you, bro, you're good. And that's all I care about is, is somebody touch you, defend yourself. Because now we live in a world where everybody's kids are going to start reacting off of words and everybody's mm-hmm. going to be getting cold homes. And, like, it's yeah, it, it is. It's about being a bigger person. And people don't understand that. It's mm-hmm. like we're not teaching our kids what the bigger person is anymore. Like even mm-hmm. the parents nowadays, because parents are so young, they want to fight other parents for, for their kids saying something to their kid. And it's like, yo, that's not how you're supposed to handle it. You're supposed to be mature about the situation and sit your two kids down and see what the problem is. Right. Now, now if they need to have if they need to have it out, then let them have it out. But I saw you look into the yeah. camera for that one. <laughs> they need to have it out. Right. They know people that watch the podcast right. know when I look into the camera, yeah. I'm, it's I'm on yeah. one, all right? Because I just yeah. feel like, yeah, I get it. Kids gotta defend themselves, especially when you're a black yeah. kid. You already you already come up in this world and being young with anger. Every single one of them. Every single one of them have anger. They mm-hmm. don't know how to deal with it, so they take it out on the person next time. 
I just had an incident with one of my 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 son and uh, one of his friends. And I told him, I sat down and told him, I was like, look, you have to understand that he's going through stuff in his life that he does not know how to deal with. And he feels comfortable taking it out on you. And you can't let him take it out on you, but you have to understand why he's doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't get to that part of understanding. They don't understand why their kids are acting out or why another kid is acting out. We yeah, just want bro. to react off the words that somebody else is saying or what somebody else's kid is doing instead of sitting down mm-hmm. and talking. Like I couldn't go home and tell my dad like, yo, this, that, that, and the third. And he'd be like, yeah, let's go beat him up. <laughs> like, no, my right. father looking at me like, all right, what did you do? <laughs> what is your part in it? Yeah, your dad, your dad is like he's definitely one of those sit down dads. He's yeah, like, like no, you're gonna tell me what you did. Uh, <laughs> my dad, my dad is definitely the one that's like, let's go outside and crack him. Yeah, I'm a bit of both. Yeah. I'm a bit of both. I'm, I'm probably gonna be in both too, but I'm gonna have some some patience to me because <laughs> when you when, when, you, when you're dealing with your right kid, when you're dealing with your kid, you have to understand that you're dealing with other people's kids too. They're all kids, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So I remember and that's partly why I won't pull up though, because I won't meet their parents and see what we on here. But see, nowadays, if, need, if our kids need to bust out the gloves and squabble, then come on. But, but see, that, that, would, be, be that, that would be fine. And then that, we can just talk it out and we can both society. come out with a mutual form of punishment right. for both of them. Right. That would you be know? fine. That would be fine in normal society. So when I was coming up in my community around me, when me and my, me and my boy Angel used to fight, it, his mother loved me. She knew we used to fight. So it was right. never like we they knew at some point in time we would have to get it out of our, our systems. But uh, right. the, the most important thing is it's making sure at the end of it is over. And I think nowadays right. when people have a problem with people, especially young people kids, because now that. we have to remember our gang members are youngest, 12, 13, 14 year olds, 15 year old kids. When they get angry, and like I just said, they don't know how to control their anger or what to do with the anger. So. What they can do is, though, they can ha- get access to a gun and go take the anger out by pulling the trigger at somebody. And that's the, yeah. that goes back to what we talk about, like, yo, words. It's emotional, emotional intelligence. Yes. And we don't. Yeah. And that's one thing we don't teach our kids. We don't. I'm trying to teach that to my son right now. And he three. Mm-hmm. We have to. We have yes. to. It's, it's important things. so important. Yes, there is important yeah. They're starting to teach it in the schools now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After all this time. I yeah. hope so, too. They're starting to teach it to the to the kids now. All those social constructs, emotional intelligence, they need all of that information. They need yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so getting a little bit back on track, what are some obstacles you face uh face getting to where you are today? Besides the ones you mentioned already, because you didn't mention a couple of struggles that you went through with not having a job like five years after you got your degree, which is a lot of things that uh it's a lot of kids out of college face that wow. that realization they yeah. come out with a degree and they can't find a job so when besides you, that you, what else did you struggle with i mean i mean finding my place like really trying to find a career and a job that i love like that's still a struggle for me i still struggle with that i still i still wake i woke up the other day and said i think i want to be an acupuncturist mm-hmm. like you just I, you could you could sometimes I go and I sit at a restaurant and I get jealous of the wait of the waitress I'm like I want to wait tables I want to do something else I want to be I want to do something fun I want to you know what I mean so what do you think contributes to that you when you're a kid and you and you grow up and you go to college you're like you you're under this false you have this false um understanding that you're going to get the career you want. And everything's going to be roses. Mm-hmm. You're going to wake up and be so happy to go to school. I mean, to go to work every day. And that's just not the reality of the situation. No, it's not. 
Um, uh, there are a few people in the world that feel like that. And that's what I struggle with too. I get burned out. I'm, I, I mean, I was telling my husband, I said, I've cried t- two or three times this week with a parent. That's a lot of crying for, mm-hmm. a, for your job. That's a lot of emotion for mm-hmm. your job. I'm crying with other adults because I feel their pain and I have a lot of empathy. Right. So sometimes that's I a beautiful thing that. though. Yeah, I mean it's a beautiful thing, but sometimes it's a lot to, to it's yeah. a burden. That, see, I have that same yeah, empathy. Like, I can I can literally feel what what somebody's going through. Like oh, if, I'm, yeah. if I'm, I can feel what they go through. That's why I can never get into a job like that. That is constantly you gotta feel. Mm-hmm. You gonna feel it. You gonna feel. I would drive myself mad. So I commend I'm, you because I know it's hard. I could I could tell you with just with my empathy and like if I could. Even if I could watch a movie and just put myself in that situation, I'll break down because it's like, damn, that shit hurt. Mm-hmm. That would really that hurt almost, to go through. That, that happened to me a little bit just now. Shoot, watching the show, I got warm and fuzzy. Yeah, I mean, I, a mother I, and their son got reunited. I was like, oh. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, I've consoled people while they're dying. I've consoled parents after they've gotten an autism diagnosis for their child. I've consoled family members. It's a lot. So I think that that's sometimes what I struggle with. Like, why couldn't I have just gotten to a career that was very black and white? Mm. You know? And- yeah, because it takes a strong person to deal with death. I can tell you that now. Because, I mean, I deal, for, I deal with death in a weird way. People will tell you, because I don't cry. I really cry. It has to be, it, for me to cry, it has to be all of everything hit me at once when it comes to death. But if if I could rationalizing my head with it my simple solution would be it's a part of life that happens and i can completely get over death with that i think that the one person that's going to maybe affect my way of thinking there is my grandmother when she dies i think that's probably the only person that's going to affect the way that's going to be it that's going to hit me a little bit and we and we know that you know jesse my lady it's part of life but it's part of all of us that's the one thing that's guaranteed Yep, life and life, you get it. How long you keep it in guarantee, but you get it. But then the, the next guarantee part after you breathe in air is you're gonna the take, only guarantee yes, part. You're, you're gonna take, <laughs> you're gonna take one, last, one last breath of that air. But it air. don't make it easy. No, it don't. So. It don't. It don't. But for me, I've been, I've been, I'd be cool and people just be looking at me like, you not, nah, I miss them, you know, but they ain't here. They ain't got to struggle now. I still got to struggle. People are like you going back to work? Yeah, I'm going to work right now. Like, how are you gonna to go to work after? Because I got a life to get to. As much as I don't want to sit here and mourn to them, my our lives continue, and it's sad to see that. And people, some people mm-hmm. might look at me like you you cold hearted, but no, nah, I I mourn in my own way. World keeps turning. Yeah, I mourn in my own yeah. way, but crying isn't the way I mourn. Like crying is not the way I mourn. Like Kawana, I cried. I, I cried probably once for Kawana, and that was it. And Kawana, I thought it was my uncle Bruce. I thought one good time. Yeah, Kawana was a big part of my life. Yeah, of course. Kawana was a homie. Kawana was a big Y'all part of my life. Y'all together a long time. Good, good and bad. Good and bad. And in, even still this day, I got a picture of Kawana on my on my um, on my uh, mirror in the room, and then I have her ashes and a little bullet chain that I carry around on my neck. And I always tell her, I'm like, Kay, you know I ain't gonna bullshit you, bro. You you was a demon, bro. <laughs> you were. You were evil, bro. You had good in you. But I, I just think with Kawana, she didn't know how to use the good in her. She knew how she could use the evil in her. That was easy. But to use good in her, I don't think she know how to use it. But Kawana was a big part. And I probably only cried once for her. And after that, I just let it go. I literally I even asked my grandma. I said, baby, laugh. I said, Grandma, you've been here so long. How does death still affect you like this? And she was just like, I don't know. 
And I was like, that's not, but that's season. No, it wasn't even Kawana. It wasn't Kawana yet. It was a, it was one of her sisters. But even that, it's yeah, I know it's hard. Like but grandma, grandma, grandma lost two sisters before that. So I would have thought, with my way of thinking, I would have thought that it would have been a little bit easier on her, but it was just as hard. My mother lost seven brothers. Seven. Yeah, that's it's hard. Like, it's hard. And I see, and that's another thing about me. We went, we did so much as a kid that I think I prepared myself in my head, like, yo, the people around me are going to leave me. And it wasn't even deaf, I think, because if you talk to Uncle Chris about me and the way I was as a kid, he said I had separation anxiety. Like somebody come around, I didn't want them to leave. They leave, I have a fit. And that carried into my teens and into my early adult life where I had these separation issues and emotions. So for me, it's like, I don't want to have that, those separation issues no more. So what I do is, is I just, pro I program myself to be like, yo, people are going to leave. I have to be okay with that. And now when, whether it's somebody walking out the door, whether it's somebody walking out the door and still living or somebody in death, my mindset is just like, yo, people are going to leave. You have yeah. to be okay with that. It's you just might my, get my, hit by a bus before this day is over. <laughs> I mean, that's life. I, I, I literally said that to somebody on Facebook the other day. I was like, yo, do you know there's a million ways you can die just by walking outside? Oh, like, God. you don't understand that. Like, people, you have to you understand fuck that. Up and trip down your stairs. You take a risk of dying every time you walk outside your house. Every time you get up and turn your stove on, your stove can fuck up. Like, oh, there's a lot of ways we can die. But getting back on track, uh, this is probably the, the one, look, the question I look forward to the most tonight. What are your thoughts on discrimination in the workplace? Oh. It's real. It exists. Yeah. And it's not always racial discrimination. There's gender discrimination and there is right. ageist discrimination. Do you know how many times people, the, the one that I've experienced the most is the ageism. Mm -hmm. People look at me and they go, I don't want that young therapist, but she's 20 years old. She don't know what she's doing. She don't know what she's talking about. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and it's like, no, I've been doing this 10 years. Like, I'm pretty sure I got a good handle on this. I'm not new. But even, even, even as a mom, I've had other women think I'm a teenage mom. No, I'm 35. Like, so it's real in the workplace for sure. Being a woman in the workplace is hard. Um, you don't realize how much the men are, are paid more than you. So you start having the conversations and people are being transparent and open with you about it. It happens. It's real. So it is. It is, and, and I have touched on it in uh in another podcast. Um, it is a lot of factors that do go into the what we call the wage gap between men and women. There's a lot of things that go into a job, sure. positions, the type of job, the dangers of the job, stuff like that. So no, but I do agree with you in certain situations where there's equal women, equal men. Sometimes you will find a pay gap in those situations. For sure. Uh, it does need to stop. We need to make sure that, you know, I do understand what they're pushing for, like, especially women pushing to be paid equally because the fight is still here. That means if it ain't true, then why are they still fighting for something that's not true? So that's why I can believe that right. some women are, are in predicaments where they are paid less in the same, at the same standard as a man. They have the same that's job true. title as, as that man in that paid less so And we're doing the same work. Physical mm -hmm. and mental. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. 
I can totally agree to. I think it's on it's on both ends. I like talking about both ends of the conversation. So, uh, but how did the child how did the child affect your plans with like your your career? Well, well, that's what made me go like I got to make some more money to pay this daycare because uh, twelve hundred dollars a month daycare. Then I got sixteen hundred dollars a month for my my student loans. Then I got a mortgage. I'm like, it's part of the reason why I haven't had another one. So, do you plan on having more? I would love to. I would. I get, love to. I, I get that question out the way. If God gives me one, I'll take it. But yeah, that, it definitely affects because if you if you want me to be really real with you, that's what we look for. I was driving an really hour real, work, really real. Was driving an hour to work, breastfeeding. Dropping him off hey. at care, going to work, going to lunch, pumping my milk, bringing it back That's to the right. day, latching him to breastfeed, going back to work, picking him up at 630, driving an hour home to breastfeed him again, pump at two o'clock in the morning, pump before I left for work. It's real. You're a trooper. We ain't pumped for that. 40, 40 to 45 hours of work a week. This was a full-time job. Mm -hmm. I was working. It is. Pumping really is a full-time job. For real. My no, lady, no, no. But I was working job on top of the pumping. Like, Sorry. there was times my husband would, would nudge me to wake me up, trying to get up, you got to pump. And I would be like, if you touch me. Nah, facts. You, nah, you better start nah. getting milk. <laughs> you better start yeah, letting the milk out of you. Don't there wake was this meme I saw where it was talking. To, I saw this <laughs> meme one time where it was just like, the women just be up, having they get up all types of hours when they breastfeeding, and they look over to the side with their man, just with his useless nipples. Like, <laughs> having a child puts a lot of strain on your mm -hmm. relationship and your work shit, for sure. For sure. It's hard. It is. It is. I think this leads to the next, the perfect next question. You said it's hard. So for the people that would say a child stopped their plans or career, what would you say to them? I would acknowledge it and let them know there's no book on this. There's no right, right. way to go about each transition in life. You don't have to go to college first and then have a child. You can have a child and go to college. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes right. I think, I'm like, wow, maybe if I had my son earlier, I could have then went to college. Like, there's just no right way to, right. to progress down this thing called yeah. life. You can do it yeah. in so many different ways. Trial and error. There's no right way. Yeah, you trial and error. You kidding me? Sometimes I think I should have had him way sooner. And sometimes I think I should have waited five years. Give or take. <laughs> Give or take. I got to understand that. Um, so how, right. how has parenting been? Like, what is you, what are some of the things you enjoy most about it? The things I enjoy most about parenting, you know, you just never realize, you never think you could love something so much. Like I, I can say that my daughter changed my life. You just, you just, it's not something you can understand until it happens mm -hmm. to you. Like you love a yeah. little person with every fiber of your being that you would die for. Mm -hmm. It changes, it just changes your life. Like he's, he's. They're just your everything and nothing else matters. Nope. They become your goal in life. Nothing else matters. I let, let me tell you, I give back my degree. I give back my, my home. If it meant having this baby, having this child, raising this boy. And I love that I have a son. 
And yeah, I love that I had a daughter too. I, I want a, I want a boy because I want a junior, but I like I got both. I love having I got best of both worlds. I got one of each. And then I do have a son. I have a stepson, but he is my son. So yeah. I kind of I, I got a son, but I want a junior someday. Someday I would love a a, a JTJ J Junior. Yeah, I would like a yeah, I would like a I would like a JTJ Junior. <laughs> T Brown, you gotta keep it going though. You gotta be T Brown. Tyrone, no, I know, bro. I'm already in June. I thought about that my whole life, but literally, my reason and why is because, like, how we were talking about, well, like, like in the workplace, uh, my name black as hell. I don't want, I don't don't want my, and then based on my how my son looks, I'm sorry, my son does not look like a black, like, it wouldn't fit. And then, like, um, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not ashamed of my name or anything like that. I love my name. No, I get it. It's just the fact that I want my son to be successful. Caspian Brown sounds fucking awesome. His full name, Caspian Elijah Miles Brown, sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, He's gonna get places know, with. You would never know what he is. I would have hired him as a Tyrone Brown, <laughs> the third. But but the third. you know, but but that's just, but the, the, the third. The third don't, don't sound bad either. But it's it don't it's just like nah. You could have been you could have been King James the third. He's stupid. <laughs> Shut up. He's still Prince Caspian, so it works out. So that's what that's how I look at I like Caspian name. Yeah, that's my mind. And it fits my husband's the third. Out. So if I would have named Landon Jose, yeah, the fourth. The fourth. The fourth. <laughs> The fourth king. That's plus it's already confusing with with me and my father in the room. And then plus if we go to family reunions, there's other Tyrones out there. So that's why I'm like, it's already confusing enough for four or five. Tyrone is a very, very common name. Look, but I don't know because I've literally if it's not my family member, I've never met another Tyrone. Oh, just to have a cousin named Tyrone. Right. I got a, I, I got like five. I got like four. I got four cousins named Tyrone. Like rest, that's it. Rest in peace, that Tyrone ain't long, no longer. I manager. I didn't even know he, he passed away. Tyrone passed away like I think a month or two after his mother. Really? I actually remember you talking about this too. Actually, yeah. now that we're like, yeah. bringing this up. Wow, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, Tyrone. Tyrone been going a, a long time since like right the same year his mom died. He he uh he went to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yep, the only person that I've met that's called name is close enough to mine was Tyron. And that was back in I was in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And like that was like the first grade. And he spelled it T Y R O N. T Y R O N E. Yep, for real. Just drive the E. So what would you yep. say? What would you say is the most important uh part about raising a child? What is the most important part about raising a child? The most important part is to teach them to be kind, but to bend, not break. Um, the hardest part too is like parenting yourself out of your child when you start to see things that you that you have yeah. in yourself in them, and you're like, no, 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 we don't want to go that way. Um, to teach them to have empathy but to teach them to also be strong, Mm -hmm. to know right from wrong. That's a big key right there, right from wrong. Which is hard because like some things seem right, but they're wrong and some things are wrong and they seem right. Right, Mm -hmm. right. And to always mm -hmm. always do things out of love, you know, Mm -hmm. like really, really do things out of love. Not not with a hidden agenda. Mm -hmm. Not not for 
not to succeed in something, but to do it with a genuine heart. Yeah, right. Those are all important things for me. And I don't know if it's because I'm a woman. I don't like to say that, but mm. these are all things I teach my son who's going to be a man. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think feel those, like those things that's not uh, teaching their kid, yeah. But I, I think feel, you, yes, you, I, I agree, think but emphasis, I think that because, I think because you are a woman, that makes you more, yeah, yeah for real. Yeah, but I wouldn't really say, I wouldn't even say, a nurturing factor. Yeah, yeah, I would say it's yeah. the, the woman thing, but it's more for me the nurturing part of, of being a woman. It's not necessarily you being yeah. a woman, it's the part, the, the nurturing part that comes with you. Yeah, you just women are very nurturing, especially when it comes to Yeah, so, that's a better way. And of I think that's them, a yeah, that's a real. very important aspect of a child's yeah. life growing up to have somebody to nurture him. And yeah. it, it is yeah. also it is yeah. also important, it is also important to have somebody also there to not be stern or tough on them, but just to show them like life is uh-huh. real, things are real, even though you're getting nurtured on this side, you also have to learn these lessons here because there's tough lessons to be learned in this. There's uh you know, mm-hmm. and I guess normal lessons to learn. I don't know the correct word for them, but it's like for 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 two parents to be in a home, we both bring something else. Oh. It's like we don't bring the same thing. And I, I'm sure you can t- contest a bit with you being married. You know, Tyrone being still with his girl, me being that girl. I think we all can hit that same note that we're very different. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You don't do what your husband does. Your husband doesn't do what you do. Mm-hmm. But it balances out. It's it balances out. It's a balance. It you got to balance it, it out because if not, then it's just chaos. Then the kid yeah. is going to favor whoever favors him the most, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. I, try, I try not to do that with my daughter. So I'm glad like the discipline is kind of similar on both ends with the mom, with my girl and me. It's different, mm-hmm. but it's similar because then mm-hmm. when I'm doing something, it's not like, oh, I'm just a mean daddy, you know? No. It's like, no, nah, daddy, daddy wants well, something. You, my you, lady. Have to, you have to know how to co-parent together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot and of that's what I was about to say too. When parents are separated, but co-parent when you're together. together. Yeah. 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 Especially, yeah, especially in my situation yeah, with stepson. Especially in my situation yeah, with stepson, it's very important to co-parent. Yeah. yeah, because there's boundaries there. As much as yeah, I want to, as much as I want to knock him. Well, I mean, I do knock him outside. So I slap his neck. That's what I do. That's my thing. I took the open neck, no respect. Open neck, no respect. What was the Wayne's brother show? Um, what was the oh, one? My wife and kids, yeah. When he used to slap Junior in the back of the head, oh, that's where, that, yeah, yeah, that's where I get it from. So I just slap him in the back of the neck and be like, Come on, bro, how you gotta do better? But I'm starting to build like yeah. a, a good relationship with him, and it's just like it makes me it's feel a crucial. Good. So he's 11, it's crucial. Nine, he's nine, oh, nine? He'll, be, he'll be 10 <laughs> to 12th of uh January. Yeah. So the other day, that's he came, crazy. You got uh, the same birthday as my father, yo. That's crazy. The, uh, the other day he comes and he's like, yo, Justin, can you be honest with me? My name's Troy to you guys, but everybody that knows me can call me Justin. <laughs> but uh, he goes, yo, Jay, uh, you be truthful with me? I'm like, he's like, nah, I need you to be honest, honest. I'm like, yo, I, will, I won't lie to you. And I told my girl this from the jump. I will not lie to my kids. I don't care how simple or small it is on my life. He was like, yo, is Santa Claus real? I was like, damn, bro, who told you that? <laughs> who told you that? You like, wasn't for that question nah, nah, I was like, because i don't tell my, my daughter from the jump never knew santa claus is real he has because his mother you know that's a, the tradition you know that she did so i'm like yo in my mindset is like yo i don't want a lot of my kids because then when he find out santa claus ain't real he's gonna be bummed the fuck out about it so i was like to avoid that i'm not telling my daughter so when he came to me he already had evidence that santa claus wasn't real 
So what I did was I probed him. I made him, I got him to tell me what he knew. And I was like, yeah, nah, Santa Claus ain't real. And then we did some research on, on Christmas. So not only did I just be like, nah, go. I didn't go, yeah, Santa Claus fake and send him along his way. No, I sat him yeah, right oh, down, yeah, right here next like to the computer. That. We researched Santa Claus, we researched Christmas, and I gave him some knowledge on it because I think that's vital to kids because now all he's doing is trying to use his critical thinking to figure stuff out. So now his big thing now is the elf in the shelf. Is the elf in the shelf real? Hey. He's like, Santa's not real. Elf in the shelf can't be real. Elf in the shelf don't got no magic because Santa Claus dead. Remember we read Santa Claus oh, died? It's all all right. <laughs> now he's like, I'm like, look, elf in the shelf, that he be moving around the house, man. I said, yo, I'll be messing with him because you know he ain't real. But I'll be messing with him. I'll be like, yo, you got to say a key password and he'll start talking to you. He's like, all right, then tell me the password. I said, nah, you're not old enough. <laughs> <laughs> you're not old enough to know the password but i'm gonna talk to him on christmas because you, you can only talk to him around christmas time so when christmas time come back around i'm, I'm gonna say the password and i'm gonna tell him that you, that you know he ain't real and he's gonna disappear and you ain't gonna never see that off in the shelf again <laughs> i said because i'm gonna throw that nigga in the garbage low-key i did want to start the elf in the shelf because i know Caspian will love that shit i started it last year. no son. it's a it's a fun it's fun when your kids are into it but moving that thing is fucking annoying bro my son is scared of it maybe this year he'll be better moving that thing is annoying bro there was there was times last year he sat in the same place for three days <laughs> four days a week bro we didn't care like my girl wouldn't move it i would have to go move it i'm like oh <laughs> Where I'm gonna put this shit at? I'm gonna tape them to the ceiling. Now I go get some tape, tape them to the ceiling. And then, I think, but kids, kids are very smart, and we don't think they are, but they're very oh, smart. So he smart. he noticed little things over the years, like he heard little conversations I had, and he noticed little things. And he's like, why? Not why, why? Why the gifts say from Justin, from mommy, from from grandma? Why don't we say from Santa? Claus? I'm like, he starts to catch on, bro. Yeah. But, uh, That's why my lady is different. She raps different. She raps from a different paper. She'll vote. she'll put them in a one that's from Santa Claus. Like, right. look, these are ones from Santa. Yeah, that's what and I. That's do. why. And that's why when it comes to that co-parenting thing, that makes me realize, like, cause not to put it like that, but my lady being a white lady, like she white, but they have different things. Like they like yeah. they're more than she is. She comes from a family where. Her mom was way more creative with her gifts. They would take the time out. If it was a small gift, they'll put that motherfucker in a big box and then put little <laughs> trinkets in that motherfucker. So if you're trying to shake it to figure it out, it won't sound like what it is. Mm. You know, like they do different stuff. And like how I was just talking about now, like your great gifts from Santa Claus, she'll put them in a whole different wrapping paper. That's how you know those were Santa, and then he no, we, we did that. We did daddy. that too, but you know, he he just out, he got out smart. He out smarter. He he was like, "That's mm -hmm. not gonna work on me," because like, if Santa Claus is real, why like we don't have a chimney? He probably started putting things together. How Santa get in? Don't we don't never. Right. We don't. We don't never. We don't never leave milk and cookies out for this nigga. Like we don't I do did that, that one time. <laughs> I left brownies out for him one time, and that was my hint on how I knew he wasn't real. <laughs> because I went back in the living room like I 20 never, minutes after I have and then never I saw that the life. brownie was gone and I'm like wait he came in here already and the brownie your father took my dad was <laughs> and yep, my father ate that motherfucker my pops ate that motherfucker yeah, he went out the back door we don't got a back door pops like, but now I never, I never believed in Santa. But as long as I can remember like go take my mind back I don't think I ever believed I believed in him for a hot sec 
Nah, I don't. I didn't grow up in a. I didn't grow up in a household where you could even probably pull off Santa was real to us because we Hell barely no. got shit for My Christmas. Y'all grew up. Y'all grew up fast. Y'all yeah. grew up fast. Yeah. We didn't. There was no Christmas for us. Our Christmas was closed, bro. So make sure we had clothes oh, for the winter, bro. Yeah. Make sure we had yeah, coke stuff for the, like we we struggled, and it, it was a it was a testament to just how hard grandma worked to grandma worked her ass off, and not even worked, bro. But grandma kept that house together, bro. And the second the you see you see us us now, and I hate that like the aspect of grandmothers keep us together, but when they die off, bro, we we just we family go to just shambles. Yeah, like and it's and I've seen it like from you know my grandmother to our Nancy when our Nancy died. Our Nancy used to always keep us all together. That was my grandmother's twin. When she died when I was a kid. Function started to slow down. And then as grandma got older, as grandma got older and she couldn't cook anymore as she used to function, slow down. Like grandma used to have a Thanksgiving dinner every year. Everybody used to come. Mm-hmm. Now we don't even do that no more. Mm-hmm. Right? It's now people literally go around, collect plates and be like, I see, see you next year. Like, oh God, for, for me, I'm trying to get back into the uh, tradition. Like last year I had my first uh, family Thanksgiving. I think here yeah. at my house. You got to do it for your family. Uh, one year, uh, one year we had it and we invited. I think for the uh, kids, yo. You I think we invited uh, my mother, her husband over, and then my cousin, and then Rachel invited her cousins over, and we had a dinner. But this year we're going over my another one of my cousins that uh Nick, you know, Marsha's son. Uh, oh. Yeah, he, he invited yeah, us over it. for Thanksgiving. So because he wants to get back into that aspect too. He got kids. Well, he got a son. Mm-hmm. And I think four four step kids or five step kids. One of the two. Oh, wow. one of the two. Yeah, he's a strong man. I tell him, Nick a strong man. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got one step so yeah. Nick that always been window. that guy. We always, um, we always knew Nick was that guy. Yeah, Nick was dude. always, yeah. So, Nick, Nick was always a good dude. Uh, but getting back on track. Um, so talking about womanism for a little bit, I don't even know if that's a word. I'm making it up right now. But uh, how's... Femin- how, women, feminism? No, I, just, I want womanism. I don't want feminism. But uh, how, how, how has the notion... Ahead, do you? How has the notion of what means to be a woman changed over the last five to 10 years? I think that um, it's changed because it's like multifunctional, multi-rolled. We're not just women because we have breasts and vaginas. We're working women, we're mothers, we're in the workplace. We are balancing home life and work life and we're executives, we're professionals. Um, so our roles have expanded so much that like, there's not just one thing we do anymore. We cook, we clean, right. we work, we, we mother, we have friends, we socialize, we, we do everything now. Bear children, right. bear children. Can you imagine as a, mo- a modern day woman, just going back to the fifties for one day? No, thank you. <laughs> I like it here. <laughs> Yeah, I bet a lot of women will come back with the realization like, nah, I that's need to straighten my shit out, bro. Because I don't cook clean or do laundry. I need to Like you guys sit at the table now, and if you go back 
30, 40, 50 years, there wasn't many women sitting at the table, the table where decisions worldwide are made. There wasn't women sitting there. You guys literally are sitting at that table now. You get a say in what, you know, uh, 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 what goes on in, in those table meetings. So how do you think that, that why, um, how do you think that plays a role into how women are, are shaped today? Like you guys having that seat at that table, having a little bit of, having not even a look. You guys it gives us more control over our lives. It gives us more control over who we are and what we become and how we impact the world. We have voices now. So I think. Slowly but surely. I, I hope y'all get more. Yeah. Like we're running the world now. <laughs> yeah. I, I, would, I would say that it's now. I, I would say now the, the level <laughs> the level playing field are now a little shaky now where you know you guys are, are up there and you guys get to make uh why is my life jumping? Uh you guys get to go make um you know big decisions in the world that can shape other young women. Absolutely. And I think that keeps sure. your role, that role of power continuing. So other people that come up, they don't get oppressed again. And those uh, women can actually grow up into that power. And mm-hmm. I think we have some great women uh some leader, some women that are leaders that are speaking out for women. I think we have some great leadership there, but I also think we have some misguided leadership, you know, and when it comes to black people, when it comes to the LGBT community, when it comes to women, I think we all are in a place where we, I knew that was going to happen. My life died. You guys going to have to deal with me like this. Um, but I think we're, we're all in a place where I think we're all in a place where we're trying to find each other. And it's like, where where does the compromise come in from for from, right. you know from each each of these places to not invade um you know the safe places that other people have like just uh you know when we talk about women um a little while ago and you know it's a big big controversy going on with David Chappelle and you know his the the special the closer I don't know if you watched it no, but I didn't watch the whole thing. I started watching it, but you gotta. I watched. Yeah, I didn't watch yeah. the whole thing. I watched the the parts yeah, that people true. was outraged at, but I watched the whole part of it. What he what his message was, because I think as me mm-hmm. as a as a as a jokester, I know what com- comedy is. So for me, I need to know what how he set it up and how he ended, mm-hmm. because he was talking about a transgender woman who who who, who killed herself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Daphne. We he didn't he didn't know fully what she was going through. But she took some. She took some backlash for uh, sticking up for him um, with his comments on transgender, and people from the transgender community destroyed her. And it's like mm. two days after that, she wanted to take her take her, her, her life. Oh. So it's like um, then we have stuff like that happening within the community. But then the thing that I was going to within that, the reason why I'm bringing up the transgender community is because a little while ago we had a uh, there was an incident um, I think in San Antonio where uh, a labeled sex offender uh, who turned into a transgender woman went into a a sparse changing room with women and kids and undressed in front of them. Um, So the the reason why I bring that up, so the question I want to ask you is, with the, 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 the power that you guys have, you know, in today's world that you guys have a seat at that table, how do we, in your opinion, get to a place where transgenders can feel like they have their own space like gay people have their own space, lesbians have their own space, without infringing on sh- straight women's safe places. Like, let's so let's take for instance, because I want to be clear on what I'm saying. So let's say let's take bathrooms for instance. My opinion on bathrooms is 
make every bathroom and every place one person bathrooms. Because now we separate men, women, and children all all together instead of making a men's bathroom, woman bathroom, or either have a men's bathroom, women's bathroom, or and put a family bathroom in every place. So this way they can feel comfortable going into the bathroom with themselves because there's dangers on both sides. Of it. So, it, so you're saying you like the idea of the unisex bathrooms? I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind it if it's a common ground where every party can be safe. Yeah, no, I, I like the unisex. Yeah, I mean, they're doing unisex. it now already. If you go down yeah. to Perry Park, unisex everything. Yeah, there's some places that do have them, but cool. overall, what do you feel like we need to do to get transgenders to a safe place without infringing on women's women's safe places? Right. You just have to accept them because being transgendered is not just about your gender. It's about your, it's what you believe you are yeah, in, mm-hmm. in your mind. We just right. have to accept them for that. That's that's who they believe they are. We can't take that away from them. I agree 100%. I think we need to get to a place where we just stop discriminating against people because we're to a that's place where we and don't do what Daphne was saying to Dave. And that's what Daphne was saying to Dave in his special because at one point in time when he was giving his jokes and like he was saying that she was answering his questions back in the joker form yeah, and after was, a while he was, was like yo i don't know yeah and that, was that, he was like yo i don't know understand what you're talking about and she straight up was like yo i don't need you to understand what i'm talking about i just, I just need, need you to you believe, believe that i'm having a yeah. human experience. experience and that's really what it is and that and i'm not going front when he said that story that clicked in me a little bit too i'm mm-hmm. like damn you're right. Like for real, we're we're literally all humans at the end of the day. Like we're just trying to experience. So like you said, if they believe that's what they believe, then I mean, yeah, like I'm not gonna knock you, you know. I just gotta get more knowledgeable a bit more and try and understand where you're coming from, you know. And even if I can't understand where you're coming from, still respect my boundaries. <laughs> that's really what that is. Yeah. You know? yeah, and I think it's on both ends. We gotta start respecting uh, respecting their boundaries and them respecting our boundaries. Because right. it's, it's a lot of chaos going around, like uh right. you know, with them trying to find a place where they fit in. And I think, in my personal opinion, the government isn't helping by putting these little laws in oh, place with these loopholes because we talked about it with um, you know, one of my gay friends oh, who's no. you know in the LGBT community but doesn't fully support the stuff that's going on. In them, and then we had another podcast episode with another one of um, Tyrone's gay friends who doesn't have anything to do with the LGBT community. So there's also, right. you know, people in the community that that sees there's a problem of things that's being pushed. And like I said to my boy Elijah, I said you guys have to get back to your original fight of just mm-hmm. being protected. Same, you can have the, the same sex marriage and being afforded the rights as every other human. Because right. now all the other right. fights that you guys are, are pushing for, they're 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 sitting, government mm-hmm. is sitting in like. All right, we could give them this. We'll give them this because it's gonna shut you, shut them up. And what? Who did they do that to? They did it to us. They have basic human here, rights. Here. Basic human rights: the right, right to protection, yeah. the right to love, the right to. Right, they're oh. humans. They should have these rights. But everything else that's trying to come along with it is messing with the agenda that the original, you know, group tried to push. The the reason why they started the fight in the first place. And I bring this up with my gay friend because I don't I don't judge nobody in the community. I have gay friends i know lesbians i know transgender people but it's like for me it's like every i see everybody as a human but it's like with the way government is handling things it's not right towards transgender people and it's not right towards women because you guys are the main ones whether you see it or not because i had this conversation with my girlfriend and my girl was like i don't care i'm not being affected by it it's like that's the wrong way of thinking because you are a group of women and if women the group of women are being affected you're someday going to be affected by it so the the, the the thing for me is it's 
we need to stand up, all get at the table together, transgenders, lesbians, gays, queers, whatever, whoever, straight people. We need to sit at a table and we need to find a common ground so they could live their lives and we can live ours without us going back and forth. Because right now on social media, when you look around, there's a back and forth fight between straight people and the LGBT community. And I don't think that's what the fight is. And with the Dave Chappelle special, there was a transgender woman on the Don Lemon show on CNN and she stuck up for Dave Chappelle. And she said it. She was like, "Yo, in history, there's gonna be there's gonna be two sides of history that's 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 written for transgenders. There's gonna be the younger ones that keep talking about these pronouns and call me this and call me that, and then it's gonna be us, the ones that sit here and still fighting for the things that we 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 originally started fighting for and getting done the things of us just being human, people just seeing us as human. And I think that's the problem. It's like they, a lot of these young people, no matter what spectrum or what gender you are, a lot of them feel like." their their opinions outweigh other people's opinions and i think that's getting in the way of what the transgender um agenda is and i think it's a main reason why you see a lot of people in the lgbt community arguing and bickering with straight people on fucking social media i think there's no common ground we're not trying to understand each other we're not trying to get to a point where you know they're good we're good we don't care because like i like i told people in another episode people don't care who you sleep with bro we just don't we just no. don't like we don't no like we don't it don't matter we don't bro we don't care who you sleep it don't with, matter. we don't but in today's society it's just a, it's, it's a place where you go on social media and everybody's putting out who they sleeping with everybody wants you to care and it's like yo nobody cares nobody cares but then on the other end because i like to have the conversation on both ends when you're posting all this stuff or you're telling people all this stuff this is who i date and then somebody has a comment about it now you can't take the comment comments negative right and I think that's what Dave Chappelle was speaking to, the, sens- the sensitivity of today's society and how, how, the, how the LGBT community has so much power right now that you can't do, say, anything in, in their direction without them trying to yep. just completely destroy what you guys have. And I don't think that's right. And I think, as, I, think as, I think their fight isn't similar to the Black fight. Their fight is their own fight in the right. But there are some similarities in the what you yeah, really had to fight through. Blurry. Yeah, the lines get a little blurred. Yeah. Because uh-huh. yeah. that blurred line is like how what Dave Chappelle said that some of them they want to sit there and be the minority until it calls for them to be white again. That's it's, really it's what just, that is. Everybody wants to be the victim. That's what the issue is too. True. It's crazy. Justin, how much time we got? How much yeah. time? I got one question left. I got one that I'm just I'm I'm BSing. I just I'm feeling you out to see how you feel over there. I'm exhausted. Whenever look, whenever, right, whenever you wanna it. if you want to get to the last question, you could be like, yo, let's just get to that last question. All right? Let's get to that last question. <laughs> I got work tomorrow. Right, the last question is simple, man. You. The last question is simple. Any other advice you want to share with the youth or young parents? Right. The youth and young parents. Youth and young. Oh my God, these are just so loaded and hard. And ooh. that's why I wasn't giving you the question, bro. I want them general responses. I want to see you think and how your your real responses. Because when people watch you and they get to see the realness and what you're saying, they're like, "Oh shit, yo, I could do this. I could, I could really do this." Like, so repeat the question again. <laughs> uh, do you have any advice for young young parents and and or the youth? Oh my gosh. Just try and be try and be the best you can and do the best you can. Um, you gotta try and be better than your parents, 
do right by your kids, do right by your family, um, strive to be the best you can be. You can do anything you put your mind to. Seek out support, seek out guidance. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, you can do anything you want to do. If you, if you seek, if you will it, if you seek it, you can do it. Right. Right. I wish I had asked for more help when I was younger. Ask for help. There's so many people out there willing to help you. I wish I had help when I was younger. Yeah, ask for help. Never be ashamed. Never be ashamed to ask for help. If you if you, you do have somebody in front of you, ask for help because you'll be surprised at how many people will extend the olive branch, olive branch to you if you just ask for it. You gotta ask. You gotta speak up. One hundred percent. Oh yeah, Tyrone. You got any other questions for the beautiful Latrinda? Nah, I don't. <laughs> Well, with that said, Latrina, we want to thank you for coming on. We want to thank you thank for you, coming on my first podcast. That's right. We Bye. want to thank you for sharing your time with us because you are giving Bye. us your thank time. You for giving us your time. We appreciate it. We appreciate that. Anytime you want to come back on and have a conversation about anything else, you let us know. We will find yeah, you. Y'all let me know. Y'all let me know. I'm here. I appreciate y'all. No, we appreciate you. We appreciate you. Nah, I just, I just knew, I just knew you could, you could, you could shape young women's, you know, thought process with the whole college experience and all the fights and struggles you went through to get to where you are today. There's been a lot of women who have helped me along my way, and I made sure that I, you know, return that. Yeah, stick together. Yeah, definitely. We got to stop being crabs in a barrel to each other. Absolutely. 100%. We need to, we need some togetherness, man. I keep saying that. I, and anybody that watches podcasts know I'm about to go on my yeah. spiel after, you know, the trend to leave with a message to the podcast. But I always, <laughs> I always push togetherness, man. We need to start coming together. We need to start being community again and raising these kids together because, and that's one thing I didn't get to ask you is like, what could, what role does the community play with helping like with, with your kid and like you, the way you shape your kid and stuff like that? You know, I love, the it takes a village uh, mentality. I really do. I love that mentality. I love, I I mean, I had a baby. The neighbor gave me the clothes for my baby. I then, she then had a baby. I gave the clothes right back to her. And I mean, it went in a right. And That's you know, I remember growing up, the mailman, I know your father, you know. <laughs> like, See, I of, said this in another episode. I said, I couldn't go down a block and do something without somebody going back and telling my parents. You can't Bad. do that now today. That's it's a community. We don't have can't that. Do that. Today. No, we you don't. can't in my, in my neighborhood, you can because I live in a small town. Like, low key, they kind of strive on that still with like knowing who your I parents love that. are. And the I love kids that. Are. I love yeah. that. We, we, we would save so many of our young kids' lives and we just fucking keep an eye on them people don't understand that's not my kid i don't care that's the mentality and they'll be so to. much more successful and they will, they will struggle so much less mm-hmm. sure. they'll mm-hmm. struggle sure. so how many people oh you need help with this i know somebody that's into that oh you need this done i know somebody that does that mm-hmm. yeah it's just like nobody wants to give a helping hand no more everybody just wants oh, to stick no. to themselves and mind their business and it's like yeah. it's not good for the kids this way the kids are gonna Especially the kids that's in an environment like the one I am. They're, if they're not strong-minded like me, they're not fall victim to the 
the gang life and the street life, they're going, it's easy to fall victim to it. And I see it every day with young black men and young black women now. 14-year-olds standing on a corner selling drugs. 14-year-olds out here killing each other. Because and, they don't uh, know that they have another option. Option out. Smoking yeah. black and mouths out this mug. Early as hell. Fucking up their lungs. He said fucking up their lungs. That's the simple thing. I'd rather them do that than be out here. I don't. They it still is, got possible. What if they want to be singers? You need that lung capacity. Well, you can just stop and then work on your lung capacity. But if you're in the streets and, you, and somebody and somebody shot you, bro, it's a great a great chance that you're not gonna come back from it. So, but no, yeah. like like Latrina said, bro, they don't know they have the opportunity. All those activities we had back in the day, we don't have no more. It's the third podcast in a row. I'm saying this. Like we need to get the community, we need to shape it back the way it was to help these young kids understand mm-hmm. that they are talented because we have so many talented people falling to the street. Like I said, nobody, where, where's the, I had this conversation with my, I know I'm gonna let you go after this. <laughs> uh, I had the conversation with my mom's husband. He's like, he's like, in my area, there's more good people than bad people. I said, bro, you don't live here. You don't know there's actually more gang members than fucking good people here. You don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Everybody up here is a gang member. Mothers, fathers, uncles, brothers, sisters. Low Almost key. all families are gang members. There's actually a family in Jersey City right now fighting a gang, killing when each other. The original, and when the original plan for a gang was it, what to it is? The to the community. Facts. And that's the, that's the crazy part about it, too. Gangs are meant to help the communities. Like, back in the day, they actually <laughs> did food drives. Bloods and the Crips were actually helping out the community. Nah, they fucking everything up. But but Trinda, we want to thank you again. Thank you for stopping by. Thank, thank you for spending God. our time. Um, I'm gonna get with you. I'll text you, you after. Um, All right, cool. And and then uh, before you go to sleep, just to run some things by you, and then you know right. I'll send you the links. Now, and stuff. Have a great right. night. You too. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Too. I'll be safe. And you take too. Care. Love right. you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Oh, right, guys. Now. I mean, if you didn't get the under, you didn't get the message of this podcast, too. I mean, if they didn't get the message of this one, I don't, I don't know what to tell them, bro. Like, college is hard. Let's start yeah. there, because that's where we started the conversation. College is hard, bro. College oh, yeah. is a challenge, right? Ch- college oh, yeah. is expensive. You know, Latrinda oh, yeah. alluded to all these things. College is all of these oh, things. Yeah. Yes, they are. College is oh, all yeah. of these things. They are. But one thing, yeah. one one thing college also is is a oh, way yeah. out and a way oh, to better yourself it is a way oh, to better yourself yeah. i went to college i graduated oh, with a degree yeah. i met a professor there that i still talk to today she helped me understand wow. that i can think for myself <laughs> she helped me think no i can't even speak no more it's just so true it blew my mind she helped me understand that i can think for myself and a lot of us young people don't understand that we could think for ourselves. Hell yes, sir. Hell yes, sir. Ah. <laughs> T. Brown's just retarded. But no, nah, man, college is hard, but it's a great opportunity to, to, to gain skills that will help you in life. Um, having a career is hard. Sometimes you're going to change the career you want. Sometimes you're going to think that you want to do one thing and then do another. That's true. That, that happens. But you have to understand that no matter what career you pick, no matter what you want to do, you got to give 110%, 110% all the way through and you will get to, to, to your end goal. You will get there. You just got to work. There's going to be obstacles in your way. 
There's obstacles in everybody's way. Even for people that ain't trying to get nowhere, there's obstacles in their way. So you got to be able to, to overcome them and understand that what's, what's outside, you don't need to be subjected to it. You don't need to be subjected to what you see somebody else do. You could be a leader. You can lead like Latrinda. She, she leads. She was a leader. She, she stepped up. was like, nobody else in my family has this, but one person on, on the other side, I need to get it for this side, but not just yeah, for that, but for it. me, so I can do something in my life. So I can have a career and I can do something. And then here comes along a kid. And then she starts applying all these things she learned. Like, okay, I understand money needs to be made. I have this, 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 that I got to take care of. The kid come along. Yeah, I'm not going to stop my career or what I want to do. I'm going to keep pushing, but I'm also going to be the greatest mother I can be. And a lot of you women out here, you give up on yourselves. You give up on your careers and you give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. And you give up on your children. And we're here to tell you guys, no, just keep fighting, bro. You, you, there are people here, like Trenda said, you'll be surprised who will extend the olive branch to give you even a little bit of the role they have to show you how to take it. Like, and that's all young people need is to to be shown the road and given the tools to take that role. Just like in in gangs, they're they're shown the role, they're given the tool to, to, to perfect the role. We have to start doing that with good things for our youth. You know, we did touch um, a little bit on, you know, womanism and as I like to call it, and, you know, mm-hmm. some, uh, some of the stuff that's going on, you know, to touch on from the last episode with Dave Chappelle and, you know, the transgender community. I would love to see a point in time where, you know, we can all just sit down no matter who you are. We have explained it. So if this is your first episode watching this and you got this far, bro, you might want to go back and watch the rest of our episodes before you start judging us. All right. Because we, mm-hmm. we are, we are for humans, no matter what you are. We, we're not looking at you for being lesbian. We're not looking at you for being straight. We're not looking at you for being gay. We're not looking at you for being transgender. We're not looking at you for being any of that. We're looking at you for the person that you are, the personality that you give to people, the things that you give to people. And yes, it doesn't matter what you are. A lot of us have bad attitudes. A lot of us go about things the wrong way. We need to start, we need to start correcting that. We need to sit down at the table and have a real conversation about these things, a real conversation. Not an ignorant conversation, yeah. a real conversation. How we can find safe places for everybody. Mm-hmm. Safe places are being affected. Yeah, they are being affected. And I don't think it's their fault. I said this in another podcast. I don't think it's transgender's fault. There's some of them that are going along with it and will fight to the death for it for some reason. But I don't think it's the majority of their fault. I think it's that minority of them that's pushing this shit and their voices speak is speaking 10 times louder than anybody else's voice. Everybody else's voice is in the back while theirs are in the front. And I think we need to change that. I think we need to really just sit down and have gen- genuine, honest conversations about how we can move forward in a community where I don't care what you feel about me. I don't care what you think about me. Just don't harm me. And that's it. That's it. That's it. So I'm going to read you guys the quote now before we wrap this thing up. So the quote is by Carlton Fisk. And he says, it's not what you achieve, it's what you overcome. That's what defines your career. All right? It's not what you achieve, it's what you overcome. It's about the struggle you go through to get to where you are. And, I, and we know, we acknowledge that every day in, in, in everyday life, there are men that struggle, there are women that struggle, and there are children that struggle. And we just need to be better at coming together and being a community. We do. For our children, for ourselves, for, for people that's experiencing life, uh, for people that's having a life experience, like Daphne said, rest in peace, Daphne. Um, 
So yeah, we just need to start coming together so these things don't happen, man. We we deal with tragedy every day, and a lot of people deal with stuff that we don't we don't we don't we don't even comprehend or think they go through. So we get we got to stop, you know, judging people on the outside. If you don't like a term or you don't like a, a style lifestyle somebody's living, that is your opinion. But keep it to yourself. Nobody needs to know your opinion. Why is your yeah. opinion more important than anybody than the person that feels the way that they feel? Your opinion doesn't matter, bro. Like, like I said in another episode, you try to tell me something about my girl, I don't care. I'm not listening to you. And the LGBT community, you guys need to get the same way, bro. Stop caring what these guys say to you, because then they, for the for the ones that do want to taunt you guys and troll you guys, they're gonna keep getting away with it, because you guys are still gonna keep reacting to them. Like we said about the N word earlier, if we stop reacting, we can change it. We no can, hard R's, guys. We can, we can change it. But, uh, T, anything you want to add? Anything, bro? No hard R's. No hard <laughs> R's. <laughs> this your boy, Troy. This your boy, T. Brown. Thank you for listening to the What's Up Brother podcast, man. We're going to catch you guys in the next one. What's up, Peace. brother? What's up, brother?